Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Point of Insanity Game Studios Geekery in General Podcast. Today, we will be taking another 16-bit flashback with Final Fantasy Mystic Quest for the Super Nintendo. Before we begin, I would like to say that since this is a flashback episode, I will be referring to the Final Fantasy games using the numbering that they had when they were released for the Super Nintendo as opposed to the proper numbering that we know of today. I have fond memories of Mystic Quest, and that is because it is one of the first games I got for my Super Nintendo, the other game being Gradius III. At the time, I had played Final Fantasy II at a friend's house, and I did like it, but unfortunately I didn't have the money to buy my own copy. I settled for Mystic Quest because it was on sale for only $19.99. I enjoyed Mystic Quest, and I have little doubt though that not everyone shares my opinion. There are people who view Mystic Quest as a poor to mediocre example of a console role-playing game. Look up any list or video of the worst Final Fantasy games on the internet, and chances are Mystic Quest will be somewhere on that list. But does Mystic Quest really deserve the hate that people pile on it? Of course, you're welcome to come to your own conclusion, but for now, I'd like to share my memories of this game. We all have our own criteria for determining what is a bad game. In my opinion, though, Mystic Quest isn't so much a bad game, but rather a misunderstood game. In order to appreciate Mystic Quest, we need to take a look at why it came out and why it was designed the way it was. Let's go back to the early 90s. The Bit Wars were in full swing. Sega fired the first shot with the release of the Genesis, and they constantly reminded us of how they were 16-bit while the NES was only 8-bit. Eventually, Nintendo counterattacked with the release of their own 16-bit system in 1991, the Super Nintendo. And to this day, it is still one of my favorite game consoles. At this time, turn-based RPGs still hadn't quite taken a hold in the Western market. While games like Final Fantasy, Dragon Warrior, and Fantasy Star had achieved some success, many gamers still preferred the action-based approach of games like Sonic the Hedgehog or Super Mario Bros. Other gamers preferred the action-adventure blend of games like The Legend of Zelda. I believe one of the reasons for this is due to the nature of RPGs. A game like Fantasy Star 2, for example, requires a greater time commitment than a game like Sonic or Super Mario Bros. There's also the repetitive nature of RPGs. Not everyone has the time and patience to spend an hour leveling up so the party will be able to be strong enough to defeat the next boss. Square was likely aware of this and took these factors into account when they designed Mystic Quest. The main criticisms I hear of this game are its cliché story, lack of difficulty, simple gameplay, and its highly linear nature. I will be addressing these criticisms as I look back upon this game. 
I remember the advertising for Mystic Quest described it as an entry-level RPG. Now if I'm not mistaken, even the back of the box described it as a game for the entry-level gamer. The only way Square could have made it any more clear would be if they had flat out said, if you are the kind of gamer who can beat the hardest RPG blindfolded with one hand tied behind your back while balancing on a unicycle, then chances are this is not the game for you. But if you haven't played a console RPG and want to see what one is like, then you might be interested in this game. I was aware of this when I bought Mystic Quest, so I knew not to expect a long or intricate story like that of Final Fantasy II. As the game opens, the hero, Benjamin, climbs to the Hill of Destiny and encounters a mysterious old man who tells him of an ancient prophecy. He believes that Benjamin is the hero who is foretold to bring balance back to the world. With his village destroyed by a landslide, Benjamin sets off on his quest. As the story unfolds, Benjamin is joined by a variety of traveling companions who will come and go as the needs of the story require. His companions include Kaylee, a girl who can speak to tree spirits, Tristam, a ninja-like adventurer, Reuben, a warrior, and Phoebe, who is an archer and a powerful magic user. These companions guide Benjamin as he makes his way towards his conflict with the Dark King. Yes, the story is cliched and certainly nothing new, but since Mystic Quest is aimed at the inexperienced gamer, it makes sense that Square would choose to go with a simple plot that would be easy to follow. This leads to my next major criticism, and that is the fact that Mystic Quest's gameplay is as simple as the story. When on the world map, there are arrows that tell you where you can go. Once again, we need to keep in mind that this is a game for the entry-level player, someone new to RPGs who can easily get confused if they are presented with a large world to explore and no direction. You never run into that problem with Mystic Quest. The linear gameplay ensures that the player won't get lost and can focus on the story. Mystic Quest also eliminates random encounters on the world map as well. Instead, you will encounter battlefields scattered over the world. These spots allow the player to engage in a series of 10 battles to earn gold or items. This even extends to the dungeons, where the player can clearly see where the enemies are. Early in the game, it is possible to bypass some of the encounters, but as the game progresses, the player will have fewer optional battles. Now this is actually quite helpful for inexperienced role players, because if the party is weak or at a disadvantage due to status ailments like poison or blindness, then the player can take steps to make sure that his party will be in tip-top shape for the next battle. Mystic Quest also lacks the active time battle system that we saw in Final Fantasy II, which allows players to take as much time as they need to plan what they are going to do. Speaking of battles, this brings us to one of the strong points of Mystic Quest, one that even the harshest critic can't deny. This game has an awesome soundtrack. 
The first time I heard the battle music, my jaw dropped. Mystic Quest's musical score ranges from hard rocking tunes to jazzy numbers to quiet pieces that help capture the mood of the game. As a side note, if you enjoy listening to video game music casually, I highly recommend the album The Mystic Quest for Metal by Daniel Tidwell. He does excellent covers of five songs from this game. Mr. Tidwell also has two other albums as well called Versus Video Games 1 and Versus Video Games 2. They all have heavy metal versions of video game music from several different games. But getting back to the subject of battles, this is where I need to address another major criticism of Mystic Quest, and that is the relative ease of the encounters. There's very little strategy involved other than to keep your party members alive. The game also informs you if you make an attack that an enemy is strong against or weak against, so you can adjust your tactics accordingly. Should you fall in battle, the game even allows you to start the fight over. These factors make for a gentle learning curve, which is exactly what you need when you're making a game that is intended for people who are new to a certain style of gameplay. While the battles are simple, Mystic Quest isn't a complete cakewalk. Trust me, if you face a boss or one of the tougher enemies at too low of a level, you will get your butt handed to you. This brings us to another major criticism, and that is equipment. The hero can use four types of weapons. Swords, axes, bombs, and claws. Benjamin can freely cycle through these weapons during battle, but unlike other Final Fantasy games, you cannot change which one of these weapon types you're using. For example, Benjamin starts play with a simple steel sword. Once he obtains the next sword, the knight sword, he can never use the steel sword again. But is this really a problem? In most role-playing games, once you get a stronger weapon, you usually don't go back to the weaker ones so, honestly, I really don't see why the critics feel the need to make a fuss about this. While we're on the topic of equipment, this is where we see another example of how Mystic Quest took some cues from the action-adventure genre. Several of the weapons have uses outside of battle. For example, there's one temple where there's switches you have to flick, but they're located deep inside of a statue, so you use your sword to get those switches. You also use axes to chop down trees, and bombs can be used to open up blocked-off passages. And the strongest claw that you get in the game is even used as a grappling hook, allowing you to swing across ledges that are too far for you to jump. There's also areas where you have to push around blocks, so you'll be able to jump from one platform over to a further platform. So is Mystic Quest an awesome game? Well, it isn't quite as epic as some of Square's other titles like Chrono Trigger or Final Fantasy III, but it does have its place in the history of console RPGs. Mystic Quest isn't the game for everyone. As I mentioned before, 
it was not designed for the person who can beat the hardest RPGs while blindfolded with one arm tied behind his back while balancing on a unicycle. But in closing, I'd like to say that despite its perceived faults, Mystic Quest does have a certain charm to it, and it does hold many fond memories for me with its music, story, and simple gameplay. I'd like to think that Mystic Quest also fulfilled a greater purpose, and that was to lead people who would have otherwise never played a Final Fantasy game into exploring other Final Fantasy games, and maybe lead them into exploring other console role-playing games as well. Well, this will conclude my 16-bit flashback of Final Fantasy Mystic Quest. I know it's not the game for everyone, as I said, but it does have its appeal to the right audience. Now, if you have ideas for any other games that you'd like to see me tackle in the future, either for a flashback episode or maybe for one of my Bargain Bin Adventure episodes, please feel free to contact me. You can visit POIGamestudio.com and use the Contact Me section on that website. Or you can look up Point of Insanity Game Studio on Facebook and contact me there. You can leave a comment on the page. Speaking of comments, I am curious to know how you feel about this episode and how it turned out. So far for my flashback episodes, what I've done is I've just popped in the game and played it and commentated on it as I played the game. Now for this particular episode though, I decided to do something a little bit different. Instead, I did actually write a short script for it and instead of using game footage playing from when I start commentating to when I finish, I actually did quite a bit of editing, similar to my video episode on plug-and-plays. Oh, and by the way, I'm actually kind of glad to say that plug-and-play games are not as dead as I thought they were. I was actually at Toys R Us with my son today and noticed that they do have a few different plug-and-plays there, not just the flashback system, but uh, there's one that looks like it's supposed to be an imitation Wii, but of course it doesn't have any Wii games on it. There's also a Pac-Man plug-and-play I saw as well, so who knows, maybe I'll pick up one of those in the future. But how did you like how this episode turned out? Do you like the more scripted approach, or do you prefer the more improv approach that I've usually taken with my flashbacks? You know, certainly feel free to comment on the uh, website, on p my Facebook page, or you can even comment on the YouTube page. Now, I'm not necessarily going to take the time to do every single flashback episode like this where I do take the time to write a script, but who knows, maybe in the future I might try to do more episodes like this if uh, the viewers seem to like this style over my on-the-fly impromptu style. But with that said, I'd like to thank you for either listening to the audio or watching the video on YouTube, whichever you prefer. Thanks for stopping by and have a good evening or morning or afternoon, whatever it is, wherever you are, and happy gaming.